Hello, hello. Welcome to At Home with the Intuitive Cook, the podcast giving a voice to everyday home cooks like you and me. Join me around the kitchen table as we chat about finding cooking ease and inspiration beyond rules and recipes and the noise of celebrity chef culture. It's not rocket science, it's just dinner. Hello and welcome. I'm Katerina Pavlakis, also known as the Intuitive Cook, and my guests at home today are Jeff and Christine Gill. They used to live in North Wales, not far from me, but we met online through Jeff's wonderful tree newsletter I have sometimes contributed to. Jeff is a designer and Christine works in a school for deaf children, and I'm really excited to have both of them on the podcast today for a three-way conversation. Hello, good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Christine. Good morning. So lovely to have you. Well, it's lovely to be here. It's it's great to to see you again. Um, it's been a long time, actually. Yes, it has been a long time. Uh, last time it was in a pub in North Wales, but now you are not in North Wales anymore. You're not there anymore. No, we've uh, we moved to the southwest of England on the edge of the Cotswolds. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful spot. It's, I mean, North Wales is, is beautiful and amazing. And this is, this is beautiful. It's and it's different. Beautiful it is, yeah. Person, yeah. It's sort of a, a gentler sort of uh, landscape here. Yeah, I've always thought that North Wales is kind of a bit wild. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you want that. And sometimes, sometimes you want something a little bit calmer to look at. <laughs> well... Let's go straight into it. What are you cooking today? Oh, God, what am I cooking today? I don't know. We haven't, we haven't, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't, we haven't talked it's, about where we're cooking today. It's Saturday, Katerina. <laughs> <laughs> it will involve potatoes, probably. It usually, invo- usually, it usually involves potatoes, yeah? Yeah. yeah so what, what potatoes do we have? Mm-hmm. It'll be around that. It'll be quick. It will be quick. So how <laughs> how, how do you actually figure out what you're going to cook? I mean, you probably never thought about this, but still, it's an interesting question. How how do you get from, oh, I don't know what we're cooking today, to actually, okay, the next step is it will involve potatoes. So how do you actually decide these things? Oh, how much oomph do I have? So it'll be like, what do you fancy? Oh, I don't know. What do you fancy? Well, what do we have? Well, do I have the energy to go to the shops and pick up something? Or, or are we going to make do? Now and again, it's planned ahead. Yeah. I had half term last week. So last week was a really good eating week. It was a good food week. Yeah. We, yeah. Both, we both cooked and made some really nice. We had a, we had a shepherd's pie. Mm. And then I did a stir fry with some sticky noodles. And then we did some pizza. So, yeah, if we have free time, we tend to try and get a bit more interesting and and think of stuff like there was a there was a thing we saw on Instagram last night that I'm going to try some chickpea meatballs. Oh yeah, because we're vegans, so might as well get that out in the open. Um, <laughs> uh, so so yeah, it just it just really p- depends. I mean, if we're both you know we're both working full time, so a lot of times in the evenings it's just something really quick. If I'm cooking, a lot of times it'll tend to be. On a weekday, I'll do some black beans and salsa, and we'll whack them in some wraps. We eat a ton of those little miniature potatoes, and I'll steam those and put in broccoli and green beans and carrots and 
we usually have it with a, like a little bit of aubergine pickle on top, and that's that's a meal. Yeah. Um, but, and it's really, really quick, and it's healthy, and you don't feel like, ugh, I'm so heavy after it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not that interesting, but it, it tastes well, really nice. It's always like, oh, this is nice. I'm yeah. I did this. <laughs> it is. And, and aubergine pickle is a fairly recent discovery. Oh, it's the best in our house. It's world. so good. It's amazing. It's just the right, the perfect mix of sweet and spicy. And, and you can just, you can throw it in all kinds of things like the vegetables. Uh, last night, Christine put it in with some mayonnaise for a dip for some little crispy potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It always amazes me how, you know, having a little kind of flavor bomb like this you know, yeah. could, could be anything, but and I'm cycling through various kinds myself. So all the things you can do with one little thing, you know, you'd think aubergine pickle, it goes with a curry. Mm. But if you go away from that idea and you just go, oh, what does it taste like? As you said, the perfect combination of sweet and salty and sour. Yeah. 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 Well, and, I mean and people are amazed by I made I made food for my friend and his friend on Thursday night. And I'd made some vegetable pasties and I, I made this sort of the mix of the aubergine pickle and the vegan mayo. And I presented it to them and they looked at me like it was witchcraft. Like, what is this amazing thing that you've concocted? Uh, so, yeah, it's a jar of pickle and <laughs> a <bit of laughs> vegan mayo. <laughs> they were just like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a sandwich because especially now that the weather has gotten a bit colder during my lunch break, I work from home. So during my lunch break, a lot of times I'll cook because I want some hot food at lunchtime. So I had a sandwich where uh, we had got some weird squash that we picked up at a farm from pumpkin picking. So I, I breaded that real quick and fried it. And then with some carrot bacon, which I'll, I'll get into it in a bit, <laughs> uh, with some carrot bacon and put that in a sandwich with hummus and aubergine pickle and some lettuce and so it was amazing it was so good i feel like you're a little more adventurous than me when it comes to flavors and and cooking um, yeah probably i am yeah I'll, I'll try i'll try more things yes which is is, is good and it stretches me but but carrot bacon is your thing carrot bacon is my thing tell me about the carrot bacon there uh so when we became vegan it was you get all these meat substitutes which you can't, it, number one, you can't think of them as, well, this is bacon. Even if it says this is bacon, it's not bacon. It doesn't taste anything like bacon and it's rubbery and it takes you f so far away from actual food, from actual ingredients. And I thought, well, mm, carrot is sweet. What am I, what, what am I actually looking for in bacon? What is it that I like about bacon? I like the sweetness. I like the smokiness. I like the saltiness. So let's just, Get something that has a nice flavor to start with and add something sweet, maple syrup, something salty, salt, and um, something smoky, so some smoke, some smoke water or, or a lot of smoked paprika. Paprika. That's the one. <laughs> and add that on and, and, and fry it. And it's Dude. like, it's not bacon, but it's, it's carrot. <laughs> yeah, but it's got but the it's same. Got that thing that I have an urge for. So when I became vegan, it was like, well, what am I missing? What? Do I have the urge for? And it's those flavors. Am I am I fancying saltiness today, sweetness, or a mixture of the both? Well, how, how can I provide that for myself without opening a pack of um, fake meat? 
And it, it's so much it's so much nicer than the the fake bacon. I mean, I liked the fake bacon. It was it was fine. It's tasty. It's yeah. not like it it's horrible or anything. But the the carrot the carrot stuff is so much better. Do you use salt? Yeah, oh, I use soy sauce when I do it. Oh, I think I may as well sometimes. <laughs> oh, I like the sprinkly salt because that's you got texture as well. Oh, okay, well there you go. Well, sounds sounds delicious. I I love the combination of sweet and salty myself. Mm. So so that really does sound delicious. And you know, I run a whole food shop here in North Wales, and we do sell those meat substitutes because people want them. But you know, personally, if I look at those ingredients. I wouldn't want to eat that. Yeah, on days when I do, I I don't look at the ingredients because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you want what you want, and I've decided to not feel guilty about that as well because sometimes you just want. Sometimes we want to eat trash, <laughs> and and I'm not going to be embarrassed about about that. When I was staying with my friend, uh, he came home once, and I was at the table, and I'd. And what I really fancied was a crisp sandwich, a pack of prawn cocktail crisps and, and some cheap white bread and a big glass of wine. I had my crisp sandwich and he just walked in and said, that's the most working class thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's what I want. It hits the spot. I'm not going to be ashamed of when I need to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for the for the most part, we're quite we we mostly eat real food, but but yeah, a couple sometimes you know we get some some burgers, yeah, or some fake burgers or some fake sausages because I just I'm I'm not very good at being a purist is the thing I I like <laughs> I'm the same and rules I'm not good with all the this this is what you have to do I don't like I don't like rules for food. Yeah, rules for anything really, but it translates yeah. it translates nicely into food. And the great thing is that food is such a you know, it's such an easy space to be creative once you yeah. get over that fear of of ruining it. And I find it quite interesting. I've just had a chat with someone just yesterday who, you know, said, oh, I hate cooking and I can't cook and my husband and son are much better cooks and so they cook. And and we kept chatting and she said, well, you know, I can do a pasta sauce. I can make anything into a pasta sauce. Like, well, there you are. There you are yeah. cooking intuitively and creatively, yeah. you know. And then she was like, oh, and I made this really cool salad yesterday. And I was like, well, what made the difference of you not being afraid in that instance and it was just that she was eating on her own and she wasn't you know the mm. fear the fear of judgment so and so i really think the difference between you know a creative cook or an intuitive cook and and someone who says oh i can't cook is just to get over that fear yes yeah and um, when we when we got married I moved to the States, so everything was unfamiliar anyway. You know, when I used to, any cooking that I'd done before was desserts with mother on a Sunday, and that was bird's trifle. And (laughs) I've got very, very fond memories of bird's trifle. So I didn't have a lot of experience. And it would take, you get these books, and the list of ingredients are just exhaustive. And so many different steps. And my first thought was, I can't do this. 
I cannot do this, but I would have a go and I'd spend two hours trying to make something which would go in the bin. And then I'd start again and that would be my whole day and Jeff would get home from work and I'd be in tears, <laughs> chipping something off the pan. <laughs> um, yeah, and I thought cooking is just terrifying, absolutely terrifying. There's just so many steps, there's so many different ways that things can go wrong. I don't, I can see all these different flavors, how they work together, how this helps this. I have no idea. It's a list of rules for no reason that I could see. It wasn't nice, was it? No, you weren't great at the start. <laughs> <laughs> so can you remember the light bulb moment that yeah, we, changed we it moved for to you? Yeah, we, we moved to Wales. We moved back to Wales and we were skinned. We had nothing. We were cold. We were living in this disgusting, damp house. We were absolutely miserable. And I went to the library and I picked up this book, Nigel Slater's Appetite. And I got that from the library. And, and I read it from beginning to end. And his love for food, for not, not his love for recipes, but his love for ingredients came through. And I got excited about food rather than recipes. Um, and there was something in there. Um, it was like a cheap spaghetti supper that had like four ingredients. And I thought, I can do this. It was like spaghetti and bacon. Breadcrumbs. And breadcrumbs. <laughs> and it's like, well, I can do that. And it tasted delicious. And it was the first time I'd made something that I thought, that is gorgeous. And it really, really empowered me to think about sort of simple, basic ingredients, simple flavors. Well, what do you fancy? What goes with this? And after each recipe, you would have the, a, a page that just had tons of different things that you could do with this recipe. So it, whatever you felt like on the day. And I just, I loved how romantic he was about food. It, it really, really made me fall in love with food and made my first loaf of bread after reading that book. And yeah, I was off. Yeah. Um, and I borrowed that book from the library for just so many times. It had so much of my grease on that book. <laughs> <laughs> and when we finally got a little bit of money, the first thing I did was buy that book. And I, I still look at it often. It's wonderful. I totally agree. This is my kind of reference book. And Nigel <laughs> Slater, when I first moved to, to Britain, I came across his very first book, Real Fast Food. Oh, yeah. Well, we have that down there and, too. <laughs> and for me, this, this was quite a revelation too. And I think I agree with you. The biggest revelation was the way he talks about food, the kind of passion, which I felt was reflecting my feeling about food and the way he just talks about savoring mm. what, what yeah. you've cooked. And yeah, for me, Nigel Slater is like a total hero too. Yeah, and I remember a bit that connected with me was him talking about sitting outside with a pod of peas and just the lovely moment of cracking open that pod of peas and, and eating the peas and really being in that moment. And it is romanticized, but that connection of memories with food, you can feel that moment as he talks about it. And I mean, he writes so beautifully anyway. But yeah, you can, you can feel that moment and it does make you slow down. Even when you're cooking, to slow down and taste what you're eating and really be in that moment. 
uh, yeah, a definite light bulb for me. Mm. Lovely story. That's a great story. And do you think, I mean, it's not really about becoming vegan. It could be any type of restriction one chooses or one is faced with because whatever, you know, someone suddenly having to go gluten-free or whatever. But do mm, you think that yeah. becoming vegan for you opened more doors of experimenting just because you had to change the way you were cooking perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We we started eating so such a large larger variety of stuff when we became vegan. I mean, we became vegetarian like what 10 yes. 10 years or so before that, and that opened up new things to us and then vegan again when you know, when you haven't got you don't have meat, you start figuring out well, we got to eat something. So, so <laughs> we started looking at things we'd never eaten before. And the same with being vegan. It's like, well, the cheese is gone. The milk is gone now. So we started, you know, you start looking for, for other things to, to fill that hole. And so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've experimented with, you know, eating all kinds of different vegetables and, and, you know, different cuisines. And I mean, we're not like, like we love lots of food. I mean, we, we don't eat like a huge variety mm. on a regular basis just because we're busy. We've got our favorites and we've got the things that are quick and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, I love Indian food. I love Mexican food. I love, you know, doing Italian. I, I would love to figure out a good lasagna, but I just don't, I've never seen a good vegan lasagna because one, you can't get decent vegan cheese that I've found in the UK, I've heard other places that there's some nut cheeses and stuff like that that you can get, but they're so crazy expensive. So, so I haven't figured out, I haven't figured out enchiladas or lasagna yet, but, but I mean, I make a great pasta sauce. Um, you do. And, and I, I've, I've do a vegan bolognese that it's just, it's really, really good. If, you know, people say, say it is, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging. It's good. <laughs> And yeah, curries. I mean, Christine does a, a lot of curries, like for sort of quick ones. Every once in a while, we'll do like a full blown thing with making the tomato base in advance and, and you know, like do making naan bread and all that. And, you know, that's a several hour production. Uh, but that's really fun once in a while to do that. So and Indian is great. And Asian stuff, Indian and Asian food are great because there's just not a lot of meat necessarily in them there's there's always vegetable versions of indian food and and chinese food and japanese food so thai is a little bit harder because it's so much based on fish sauce and and stuff so we haven't done a lot of thai we've done it you've done a few things with some thai flavors yeah so yes the very long answer to that question is yes having mm -hmm. those restrictions has expanded what we eat i've i've heard that a few times and and obviously it's it's not going vegan that changes your approach to food, but any kind of any change, yeah. Starting to pay attention to what you eat, and and for me, if such changes make people more aware of what they eat and is you know the door opener to to more real food, obviously there mm -hmm. you can go through different doors there. Then then that's a great thing. All it takes is to become more aware of what you're eating. But sometimes right. making that decision to restrict things for whatever reason is then going to open that door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, restrictions really force creativity. You know, it's just when people bump up against limits of whatever sort, that's, you know, that's where creativity has to happen because you can't yeah. just do 
what you've always done. And that can be money as well. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, so, you know, the, so much of the best food in the world is poverty food. You know, if you think about like Mexican food, it's, it's beans and rice and, and all the stuff that gets done with that, you know, really simple food all around the world that just, you know, the ordinary people without a lot of money make. That's, that's the stuff that people go to restaurants and pay <laughs> good money for expensive, you know, very expensive, fancy versions of it. But it's just that simple. And it's, and it tends to be healthy because if you've got to go work in a field all day, you need something to keep you going and nur really nourish you and, and give you that energy. So yeah, that, that kind of pre-industrial revolution food that people used to eat. And then you, you start mixing that across cultures and start throwing in spices and stuff like that, you know, especially hot country food is, you know, it's always more interesting than cold country food because, because cold country food, you've got to, potatoes. it's potatoes and turnips <laughs> and <laughs> cabbage and things like that. So you, you know, it's nice to bring in hot country food where they can grow spices and, and all those kind of things. But yeah, I mean, for me, opening up my taste buds and be becoming more mindful about what I eat, it, it, I think it really started when I, because I thought I need to eat fewer calories because I've got, I'm sitting at a desk all day. I'm getting a bit older. I don't want to get fat. And so I thought, what can I do? First of all, that's easy. And I thought, well, I could stop putting sugar in my tea. And I did that. And for like two days, it tasted awful. And then after that, I realized, well, wait a second, milk is sweet. Mm. I just hadn't noticed it before because I was throwing all this sugar in my tea. And so I started noticing that, you know, actually milk is sweet and most things are sweet. You know, tomatoes are sweet, onions are sweet, peppers are sweet. You know, it's just like, there's so much sweetness that's there, but we don't notice it because we're so used to so much added sugar in things yeah. that we don't notice the, the natural sweetness. I feel like that was my issue going back to those lists, those recipes that have a, a list of ingredients as long as your arm. And it says, you know, chop this, chop that, add this to that. And it doesn't say why. Well, what does that do to that? And slowing down and tasting each ingredient as you go. And you may think, well, actually, I don't like that addition. And I, I don't have to follow those rules. <laughs> tasting as, as you go and noticing the taste of each mm. ingredient. And, and Nigel Slater helped me recognize that the flavor doesn't come necessarily from the things you add, but each thing has its own flavor finding what you like for yourself. Uh, I, I think Jamie Oliver was another one that we discovered when we moved here, mm -hmm. um, who talked about tasting the ingredients as you go and having some sort of control over what you're eating rather than it being in charge of you. Because food was terrifying, I thought. <laughs> really, really scary. Vegetables. Vegetables were scary. Yeah, uh, you didn't for, eat. For me, I, I, I didn't. If I'd eaten vegetables, it was always hidden under something when I was a kid. And there was this <laughs> assumption that children will not like vegetables, so you have to hide them under the, under something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always thought, I, I won't like this. Yeah. God, when I discovered broccoli, that was just, that was amazing. People eat this stuff. <laughs> like, and, and enjoy it. They don't have to force it down that was amazing yeah well yeah i mean i grew up a bit different because my my mom was very into health food and whole food and and stuff like that so i i grew up you know with tons and tons of vegetables and and there was no assumption that i wouldn't you know the kids wouldn't like stuff and even if we didn't like it we had to eat it so yeah i was I remember being at a at a party a few years ago and there was broccoli 
and we hummus. Oh, we brought it. it. That's that's why it was there. So, there was broccoli. And, we're looking at is like something wrong with it because it was raw raw broccoli and hummus. It's fantastic. So we brought we brought that, and I'm sitting there chowing up. People are looking at me like I was insane eating raw broccoli, and it's like, what? no, it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> we we tend to forget that that you know you can eat different things in many different ways. Yeah, you know, like broccoli tends to be you know steamed or boiled, and but you know you can roast it. It's amazing when you roast it. Yeah, and it's great stir fried when it's just you know it's just barely cooked. You, just cook it till it goes bright and and stop there and yeah it's really versatile it works in like sort of from raw all the way to where well, you don't want it in mush well actually cooking broccoli slowly to mush with olive oil and yeah. i mean the, the classic recipe does contain anchovies but maybe you know olives could be a good substitute for that salty and sh sharp this is like a classic pasta sauce Bro oh. broccoli huh. and anchovies sort of cooked until it falls apart and then you mash it up and yeah, yeah. and you mash it up huh now i've just learned a thing <laughs> that's, there you go. that's really cool so there you go from raw to to liquid yeah it's it it's all good yeah. yeah that's that's quite interesting for me i had this sort of and now my kitchen friends it's time for a quick break to see what i've been cooking up for you if you ever feel trapped by recipes or wish you could get more creative in your kitchen, I made a free mini course. It's called Ditch the Recipes and it's a short series of five emails that will help you get started on your intuitive cooking journey. Sign up on the website at theintuitivecook.co.uk slash free or find the link in the show notes. And now let's get back to our conversation. Turning point in learning to like cabbage. When we lived in London, we were getting a veg box, but it was the sort of fancy online system where you can, you know, just click a thing and say, well, I don't want cabbage. So I always said, I, d I don't yeah. want yeah. cabbage just because I just didn't really know what to do with it. And then when we moved here and we started offering veg boxes in our shop, we kind of, I challenged myself to cook through the veg boxes myself. Yes. And of course, you know, in winter, there's lots of cabbage. And it was Nigel Slater, again, who somewhere in his book, one of them, he said, oh, brassicas don't like water. So this huh. idea of boiled cabbage that I really, yeah. really dislike the smell of. And I thought, oh, so I started stir frying cabbage or mm. roasting Brussels sprouts. And suddenly, yeah. suddenly mm. it's like a whole other thing. And well, that was my moment of getting over my fear of cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, it was only last year I discovered sprouts yeah. for the first time after thinking for my whole life that I hated sprouts because you're expected to hate sprouts. So, and, and, your, and your mother says, we well, have to eat your sprouts. I want to eat my sprouts. You have to eat your sprouts. Yeah, it's just expected that you don't like sprouts. Sprouts are amazing. Sprouts are so good. Yeah. I love them. See, I liked them the first time I had them because as an American, I came over and I was visiting years ago and I, no one told me I wasn't supposed to like sprouts and there were sprouts. And so I, I was like, oh, these are fantastic. They're like little baby cabbages. And I, I had never seen them before. And I think sprouts are great. So yeah, if you don't know you're not supposed to like sprouts mm. and you just eat them, they're quite good. 
It's also interesting what you sort of just mentioned about how much the learned expectation of, of flavor is influencing our, our likes and dislikes, either, you know, one direction yeah. or another. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't have that. I, like there's mm -hmm. a bit missing from me. You'll <laughs> try anything. Though. Well, okay. <laughs> I, my first, because I love sandwiches, every kind of sandwich. I, I just love making sandwiches. I always have. But my first cooking innovation was when I was five years old and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. I wasn't in school yet. I remember most days we would we'd make a little packed lunch in lunch boxes and go out and sit in our garden and eat out there. And it was lovely. But I remember one day, and because I always had a peanut butter and honey sandwich, and I remember one day thinking cheese would be good in this. So we had Monterey Jack cheese. So I put a slice of that in there and I thought, this is great. I love this. So for a long time, I had peanut butter and honey and cheese sandwiches when I was, when I was a little kid. And then like two weeks ago, because I still love peanut butter, I usually have peanut butter on toast for breakfast. But I was just thinking, and this is, this is how it happens with me most of the time. I, I, it's not from tasting. It's like imagining how things will taste and then trying it. Most of my thinking about food, it happens in my brain, not, not actually doing it. So I think, I, it, and I just had this thought, well, peanut butter and green olives would taste good together. So I tried it and they do. The texture doesn't work, but the flavors work. And I have not figured out what to For do with you. it yet. Yeah, you didn't like it. I didn't like it. No. Well, I thought it was disgusting. No, it wasn't, though. It worked. It <laughs> <laughs> the flavors work, but the textures don't. So I don't, I don't know what to do with that yet, but it's sitting in my brain. So what is, what's your favorite thing to eat? Obviously, that might be totally different for each of you. Pizza. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like... Homemade pizza. Homemade though. pizza, Yeah. Mm. And we just do it without, well, you put a little bit of cheese on sometimes. I've started to now and again. I Mostly it's like nutritional yeast I'll put on top because it's got a nice sort of nutty flavor to it. Yeah. Yeah, I just leave the cheese off when I switch to vegan. and I like broccoli on my pizza, which is very frowned on. Okay. I do have some rules. I like peas on my pizza as well. Yeah, though. and it's pineapple, just, broccoli and peas. It's not, it's, it's it. just, it's not Italian, is it? Well, no. Um, <laughs> Oh, see, that's, I, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, and, just put a rule on. Well, that's true. Having said that, I mean, the pizza, I like, I mean, Italians will crucify me for this, but I, I think Americans perfected pizza. I take an American pizza over an Italian pizza any day. One of my, <laughs> one of my students at school is Italian and he will not talk about pizza with me after learning what I've put on there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Christine makes fantastic pizza dough. And then, you know, you just put some passata, some oregano, a bit of smoked paprika. And, and like we'll, we'll roast the roast tomatoes and peppers and olives. And I put green olives, black olives, chilies. Lots uh, of onions. Onions, mushrooms. Just just pile it on. And, not mushrooms. No. Christine doesn't do mushrooms. I really regret not being able to eat mushrooms, but I cannot. I can I cannot do that texture. Mm. I like the taste. I cannot do the texture. So and I've tried and I've tried sort of eating it raw, that's not bad. And then you you start cooking it and straight away, nope, can't do that. So no. But yeah, pizza, pizza's one of our favorites. I mean, I love burgers. I love sandwiches. I love pasta. I, I, I just love, 
I love food. I mean, I love Mexican food, beans. I grew up on beans and rice. I'm from the American Southwest, so ate a lot of Mexican food growing up. Um, and also cheap, because your parents yeah. didn't have a lot yeah, we of money, we so it was beans. Yeah, beans and rice. I love Indian food so much. That, that was a, an amazing discovery, moving to the UK. And Indian food immediately just filled the hole that, that Mexican food left when I moved, when I moved away. There's not a lot of food I don't like. No, you can't do lentils. Lentils do awful things to you. Yeah. So I was really excited to make, um, I came up with a recipe for shepherd's pie and that had lentils in there. And it did very awful things to Jeff. So it was like, oh, well, I can't put mushrooms in there because I'm not eating that. Uh, then I discovered pearl barley and all oh, fantastic bite that pearl barley has. And that's, yeah. that's become our lentils. So that's that's always fun. I mean, for you, you you hit this mall of oh gosh, I can't eat this anymore, and then it's like, well, what can I eat? What's what's similar? And again, what am I looking for? What texture and taste am I looking for for this recipe? And plugging it in. Yeah. Yeah, and this is you know you don't need huge amount of culinary skills for this. That what am I looking for? The texture and the taste that is. You know, you could just apply common sense, basically, and yeah. your own preference. Yeah, it's just about, you know, like Christine said, it's just about paying attention to what stuff tastes like. And as you're cooking, what what's going on when you're cooking? What's, what's happening, you know, with the food? You know, it's like you cook your onions too fast and they go all crispy. And so next time you turn the heat down. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's it, or if you're doing a stir fry and everything goes to mush, you realize you're got too much in the pan and it's not hot enough so you you put less in the pan and you turn the heat up so you just you just pay attention to what works if you don't get the result you want it's just a little bit of thinking and and you know sometimes some googling and because there's that's i mean that's another thing that's brilliant it's like if you want to know how to do something there are you know a million sites out there that will tell you like when i decided i wanted to do sticky noodles i hadn't done them before i usually did you know do stir fry and then put it in, in broth and, and make a nice broth and put the noodles and the veggies in that. And that's really good. But I thought, well, I want sticky noodles. So I started looking and I used about three different, you know, stuff from three different recipes because what I was, I wasn't looking for a recipe. I was looking for how do you get nice, flavorful, sticky noodles. And so yeah, I just started grabbing from different sites and put my own twist on it. And now I, know, yeah. now I can do sticky noodles. Yeah. It's this idea of looking for for the concept yeah not the recipe but the concept behind the recipe yeah yeah, yeah. and sometimes sometimes you need a you need a technique like for crispy tofu so if you want tofu crispy you, you need to know a couple things you know like even if it's firm tofu it works better if you put it under something heavy for an hour and and get as much moisture out of it as you can and you know coat it with a bit of corn flour that helps you so there's different ways to do it but sometimes you need, if there's a certain result you want, you go looking for a technique. You know, it's kind of like cakes. You found out if you cook them on the bottom shelf. The vegan cakes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doing bacon when I changed to being vegan, I found that eggs stabilize a cake and help it rise themselves as well as, you know, the baking agents and stuff like that. So when I started doing uh, a substitute for egg, which I use uh, aqua from a, like chickpea water. Bean juice, basically. Bean juice, any bean juice, actually. So I replaced it with that, but it started 
sagging. So go online, find actually if you put it at the bottom, it gives you that quick blast of air and it helps it stabilize more quickly. Right. I'll apply that across yeah. the board now. So it's, it's, yeah, so it's, it's learning, like you said, it's the concepts and then sometimes techniques so that you can, you can achieve, the, if you've got something in mind that you want to accomplish, you know. Yeah. You haven't got to reinvent everything. There's someone out there who's done the hard work in the kitchen for you <laughs> exactly. and they know what they're doing. So take the bits you like. Yeah. Or take the bits, you know, what is the problem? I recently got into making mayonnaise with a stick blender. Mm. Not vegan mayonnaise, although apparently you can make aquafaba, yeah. I use soy milk and an oil and they solidify when you whisk when you whisk them up and that's it. That's your mayo. Yeah, a bit of salt and yeah, and it's so much nicer than the store bought vegan yeah. mayo. And it you know, you're paying three quid for a little jar that you know has a million stabilizers and all that kind of stuff in it. And so sorry, you were saying about making your own Yeah, so you know, someone Actually, Lisa, who helps us in the shop, said she makes Maya with a stick blender all the time. And then I saw some recipes. Of course, you know, once you start looking for something like, well, the internet is full of stick blender Maya recipes. And I made it five times. And and one time it kind of, it didn't emulsify, it just stayed Mm. liquid. So then, you know, I went on the hunt to find out, you know, like you with your cake, why will a stick blender Maya not come together and what is the problem and then of course you find possible solutions and now i understand better what went wrong and and now it doesn't go wrong anymore yeah yeah, yeah exactly yes so, so i don't know if you ever consciously thought about this you know about teamwork in the kitchen because obviously no no <laughs> <laughs> i don't I'm like, get out i'm cooking <laughs> I'm I'm autistic and I'm not good with number one. My kitchen is tiny, but even when my kitchen was bigger, uh, I love the idea. I love the idea of people getting in there together and it being beautiful community thing. I can't do that. I cannot have people in my space when I'm working. So I'm I'm hell to be with. I you don't want to do that. I'm not nice. <laughs> <laughs> I I do I love cooking, but uh, as much as I've I've wanted to, and with the kids as well, cooking with the kids, I to say I enjoy it is a real stretch, and it's was well, a fabrication. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the memories of cooking with my mother in the kitchen, and I wanted to do that with my kids, and I did do it with my kids, but it was through gritted teeth. And it was lovely to get them out at the end. I know you're supposed to have them, you know, help clean up and do the full thing. But it was like, right, we did it. Get out. Get out. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I have strong feelings about that. <laughs> so it's either one of you cooks or the other one cooks, but you just don't cook together. No. No, we don't. I mean, sometimes, you know, like, I mean, more when, when the kids were, before the kids all moved out, I would like make the salad or so you'd say, can you make the salad or something mm. like that? Come in and last 10 minutes and... And chop Can you up the veggies. Do the boring job, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, we've never really, we've never really cooked together. Either one, one or the other cooks. So usually one of us yeah. cooks and the other one cleans up, and that works well. Yeah, then uh, that's just that's just me, and that's just recognizing who I am. I am autistic, and I don't like people in my space. And accepting that, it's a lovely idea. 
I mean, th- th- there <laughs> is that, but there is that saying that, you know, too many cooks will spoil, sp- the, broth, spoil yeah. the broth. Yeah. So there is something about that there, you know, old yeah. wisdom. And I find I don't have a problem with my husband being in my space, but we certainly split, you know, I'll cook dinner and he'll do the salad. For example, he's taken over the salad yeah. and I'll just do the other thing. Or, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm not here and coming late and he'll just cook dinner. And yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure that helping someone cook works that well either. No. I mean, I'm I'm probably the worst helper as well because... I, oh, you've got so many questions. I, Why are you doing that? And I don't want to answer questions when I'm. Yeah, because I'm curious. I want to. I want to learn, and then also, I'll also have my own ideas. You know, what if you? Are you sure you want to do that? Maybe you should do that. <laughs> and, and so, so yeah, I'm. I'm not a. I'm not a good person when it comes to helping. So we we sort of give each other cooking space and enjoy enjoy the food that we make for each other. Yeah, we want our marriage to continue. So. <laughs> Okay, so maybe to bring this to a close, to finish off, do you have a couple of tips or hacks or, you know, your best kitchen tips that you could share with? Yes, we do. I've got a list of them. <laughs> one of one of the best things I ever learned is I saw a recipe, it was a curry recipe, it said cook until the oil separates. And I didn't know what that meant. And so I went and learned about that. And it's basically, you know, you get a takeaway and there's that red oil on the top. And I learned that if you cook like a, you're doing a pasta sauce, you're doing a curry sauce. I've only done it with tomato-based stuff. But if you just cook it, simmer it long enough so that that red oil starts to separate, the difference between that and like five minutes before is huge. There's just some chemical magic happens when that oil separates and it just, the sauce is so much richer and so much more flavorful. So that's one thing is just, it's worth, it's worth taking the time to let the oil separate it, cooking it slowly and low until that happens just makes the sauce so rich. So that's one. For me, it's slowing down. I mean, it's a similar thing, but slow down, taste as you go. Don't be a slave to that, to that recipe, you know, that says, and now you have to add this, you taste it, it's good and you want to stop there, stop there. And uh, yeah, it is about using your intuition. Yeah, slow down, make it a nice experience. Most of my cooking is when I get home from work and it's basically you're cooking just because you have to eat. But it's it's nice to make an experience of it when you can. So yeah, I'll put on music, um, even light a candle, something like that, and just to make it into a nice experience so that cooking doesn't become as much of a chore but yeah thinking of it as this is an experience yeah yeah um another one i think always have some sumac in your cupboard because you know doing mexican stuff and like that you're using lots of citrus and but if you run out of limes and you need that zinginess just dump some sumac in it's really good to have if you if you have a citrus emergency is to make sure that citrus <laughs> emergency. make sure that you have some sumac in reserve because it, it makes a good substitute. It makes it sound like we have the easiest lives ever if our emergencies are citrus-based. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the kind of emergencies we have. <laughs> I, I mean, an, another thing, because I think this is, for me, it's a lack of skill and my perfectionist tendencies, but I'll cook stuff separately, like 
a lot of times where people just you throw that in the pot, then you throw that in the pot and you throw that. I find that for me, sometimes I get better results if I cook stuff separately. Cause like broccoli, you're doing a stir fry, broccoli cooks faster than carrots. And I'm not good enough to know when to throw the broccoli in. So, so I just cook them. So it's recognizing your limitations. Yeah, basically. basically. Knowing so who you are in the kitchen. Yeah. So I'm not very good at that. So so if I want some this cooked a certain way and the other thing cooked a certain way, then I'll I'll just cook it all separately and throw it together at the end. Basically when Jeff cooks you don't want to be you don't want to be the one that washes the dishes after. I'm so much better than I used to be. <laughs> so much better than I used to be. I used to, you know, every single pan was in use and, and so but I'm not anymore. It's not bad anymore. I have to clean again this is knowing myself. This is knowing my own limitations. This is knowing that I'm on the spectrum. I have to have clean kitchen as I go and I have to clean up as I go. Otherwise, it all becomes too overwhelming. Um, so we're very different in that because you can cook with all this stuff piled up around you and I, I know I can't. Yeah, so that's another probably... reason we can't cook together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things that both of us have learned a lot from is kids on Instagram. Yeah. There's, and I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you links, but there's a girl named Maya. Um, she's a- Fit the, green mind. Yeah. yeah. What's great about, about kids who love, you know, they love food and they just, they, ha they don't have decades of preconceptions of what food is supposed to be. And so they, they do crazy stuff that really, really works that us old people don't necessarily think of because we know so much about what food is supposed to be and they come at it without these preconceptions and make amazing things. So, so we've gotten so many great ideas and, and made a lot of things from watching the kids on Instagram and, and the stuff they make. I love that. I love this yeah. going beyond the preconceptions we all have. That mm. is, yeah, that is maybe a wonderful point to, to close on. Yeah, go beyond the preconceptions. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's been so enjoyable. It has been enjoyed that. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you so much for inviting us. And this is this was lovely. Absolutely lovely. Oh, I really enjoyed that conversation. And it worked really well having the two of you as well. It was just lovely. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank Katarina. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of At Home with the Intuitive Cook. Check out the show notes for links and tasty morsels. And remember, fresh episodes are served up every other Friday. Subscribe to stay tuned and keep exploring the joys of everyday cooking. Until next time, stay curious, trust your taste and don't forget, it's not rocket science, it's just dinner. <laughs>